Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer. Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. This is an extravagantly special edition of my podcast. Today marks six years and 600 episodes that I've had this podcast that was originally called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I made the pivot to making waves at sea level earlier this year. Uh, I went to work in the executive search industry. I'm working for a great company called Stanton Chase, uh, working with companies who are looking for VP, director, and C-level executives. And I thought my podcast should refer that. I thought that the uh, should reflect that. I thought that the message should really be geared towards those people who are business leaders. So today, I thought I would take all of you back to the origin story of the podcast. So if you went back in time, six years to 2014, remember, that was before COVID. If you went back that far, the, uh, the reality was everybody was starting to launch a podcast. It wasn't like now where everyone who breathes air has a podcast. It was just really starting six years ago. And I was a pretty active blogger. Uh, I had been working on a series for about a year called Cool Things My Friends Do. And I attended a conference where one of the speakers said, hey, if you ever feel like you're in a rut, go interview 50 cool people who are doing smart things. And you have to come out the other side with more information. And I thought, you know, I could do this as a podcast. So I had a meeting with my mastermind group. And if you listen to this show regularly, you know that I've participated with a group of other professional speakers for the last seven years. And I laid out the plan, the business plan for what was going to become cool things entrepreneurs do and how I was going to spend the next six months doing 50 interviews with business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs. And it was going to be like my own personal uh, university. I was going to learn a lot. And my mastermind group looked at me after about a 20-minute heavily thought out presentation and they said that's a dumb idea they literally told me no it'll take you off focus for your speaking career now fast forward to 2019 i made about fifty thousand dollars actually maybe more like 60 directly and indirectly because i had the podcast so it wasn't a dumb idea but their thought that I shouldn't do the podcast because it would take me off the game of the business that I had meant that if I went into this, I had to do it right. I couldn't half-ass it. I had to build the podcast. I had to make it work. And for the first two years, it was one of the top 100-ranked business podcasts on iTunes. Now, over that two years, all kinds of celebrities and people who have radio shows came into the podcasting world. So it's a little harder to rank in that top 100 but the show has been great for me on so many levels. It has led to business opportunities. I now host a podcast for an association called the Digital Enterprise Society Podcast. Came about because I had a history of hosting this show. So for my 600th episode, I wanted to go back to the beginning and bring my mastermind group onto the show. They've been on the show before, all of them individually and as a group. But I wanted to talk about a little bit about the history of the show. But then I wanted to talk to them about how people can make waves in business in this weird COVID environment. So at this time, I would like to welcome Eliz Green, Jessica Pettit, and Jerry O'Brien to Making Waves at Sea Level. Hey, hello. Happy birthday 
<laughs> you. All right. So why don't you guys share your side of the story about six years ago when I launched this podcast? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go, Tom. I, I, I'm not sure this is a good idea. I, I don't know. I mean, you've only done 600 of them. I mean, do you think this is a thing? No, it's amazing. It's amazing. And, and I'm probably the one that said, don't get off focus because I'm all about focus, focus, focus on what you want and don't get distracted. But the lesson to all of us and executives, especially, uh, is sometimes when you do something new, look at Tom's shirt, try, it says try new things. When sometimes when you do something new, it's uncomfortable at first, it's different, but then new things come of it that you never expect. So, Eliz, what, 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 what's your two cents? Well, I remember this is actually one of our first meetings together. So we were still getting to know each other to some extent. And for us to have such a really pretty tough reaction to what you were suggesting to do really does indicate how strongly we all felt that this was a terrible idea, that this was going to pull you off what you had said you wanted to do. And you were right. You had planned out a quite beautiful presentation of why this was a good idea, but it was also super new. So that taking a leap into something that really was untried in terms of a revenue generator seemed like a big risk to the rest of us. Uh, I am glad that you decided to full asset though. And, and go ahead and do it <laughs> because it has been, I know, a joy for you to get to talk to all of these wonderful experts that you've interviewed over the last six years. But I do think it also allowed you to spread your wings as an interviewer. And I personally benefit from that <laughs> um, because of what we do together when we interview people on uh, the webinar talk show or uh, work with people who are having hybrid conferences. So I appreciate that you have put all the work in. Yeah. And Eliz and I have started. We've got uh, the webinar talk show and the conference talk show products where we interview people for the virtual side of either virtual events or hybrid events. And I would never have been able to do what we do and interview people the way we do it if I didn't have the experience. I think I calculated the other day that between my podcast, between uh, the Digital Enterprise Society podcast, between the webinar talk show, and between all the conferences that you and I have hosted, I've done over a thousand interviews with executives. And mm -hmm. I think that 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 really is, you know, that's the idea of if you're going to try something new, sometimes you got to stick with it because I didn't have this skill six years ago. And now it's a big part, part of what I do. So, uh, Jessica, your, your two cents about the, the origins of, of this show. Well, interestingly, I think this is actually part of the reason why masterminds work so well together, right? So Jerry comes in with like, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to make a commitment because that is like the beginning foundational pieces of a new idea. Eliz comes in with like, well, this is what came out of it, the outcomes and like how we're making money and how like you're able to do this and your skills have gotten better, right? So those are your bookends. And then I'm the weird one in the middle that literally the part of the pushback wasn't in my opinion wasn't just that it was off focus or like how is this going to be monetizable or whatever is you didn't even have the skills to start off with identified as something you wanted to improve so literally like making waves i'm using air quotes you did not have the equipment podcasts were brand new 
They, what? What? Like, basically what I heard is this sexy presentation of, like, what I'd really like to do is make a cheesecake. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, I'm buying a lawnmower. Like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Like, you're completely, the, the lawnmower doesn't even belong in the kitchen. What are you talking about? But that's actually what you do do, right? Is that you inspire the ability to have very unconnected things get close enough together for people to draw the connection either through networking or through, no pun intended, actually making waves that will eventually connect the two together. And now you have a cheesecake that looks like a lawnmower. <laughs> High five. Happy birthday. <laughs> it has been. A, be a, oh, go ahead, Jerry. That should be a keynote. <laughs> Cheesecake that looks like a lawnmower. A cheese, like, what is I, that? I, I want She's to make a cheesecake, so I bought a lawnmower. Uh, <laughs> so this this transitions into the conversation I wanted to have and why I invited you all onto the show, and that is mastermind groups to me are like such a natural thing, right? Because I'm a networker. I like people. I like having different ideas. I like connecting the dots. But a lot of people don't even really know what a mastermind group is. And there's a lot of ways that they can be described. In the podcast world, there's a lot of podcasters who have paid mastermind groups. People pay to be in their inner circle and, and all this stuff. But the way we've designed this, n none of us pay anything. We all split the expenses when we get together. Uh, and we've been doing this now for over seven years. And once a year, although not this year because of COVID, we and and the goal was to do it twice a year. And I think we worked out over the seven years. It's been about every eight months. We've rented a house somewhere in the country. I think we were in Milwaukee when you guys killed the podcast, you know, dreams. But uh, we rent a house somewhere in the country. We move in for two or three days. We cook our meals together. Everybody gets three or four hours to talk about their business and their plans. And then like a board of directors, everybody shares their opinion. Oftentimes it's really supportive. Sometimes it's mm, maybe you should think this through. And sometimes it's that's a really bad idea. However, I don't think I could have succeeded as a speaker the last seven years if I didn't have the input and the support from the three of you. So I'm a real big proponent and I talk about it on this show all the time, why mentoring is important, why mastermind groups are important, why having peers who you can turn to really matters. So why don't each of you take a second and I think this time we'll start with Jess um, and her cheesecake. Why don't everybody take a minute to give like just, just two minutes on what you think, why our mastermind group is great and why other people should have some form of it. I think what you just said ties into what probably my biggest takeaway is, is that, no, I do not pay a monetary price on some kind of regular monthly, quarterly, annually basis, um, but I pay by uh, getting a licking when I need one, right? I pay by being resourceful and any one of any one of you could throw up the bat signal at any point in time and we pretty much do everything we can to be available when we're having a professional and then now that we've gotten to know each other so well, personal emergency. And, and I want to interject. We do. We did name our group the Bat Signal because in Gotham City, if you've got a problem, you flash the Bat Signal up into the clouds. Batman comes to your rescue. And we kind of named it that in the beginning, kind of tongue in cheek. I think it's the perfect name for our group because all of us, either on a personal life, uh, in COVID, you know, speaking businesses collapsing and being put on hold, financial problems. And on a business side, all of us at one point or another have put that bat signal up and the other three have come running. Yeah, that's my biggest takeaway. Well so, stated. Now I want cheesecake. So, Jerry, your thoughts? So, um, I think mastermind groups are great for me or this mastermind for a few reasons. One is 
um, accountability. And I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to do this by this date. You got to follow up with me. That's not what I mean at all. What I mean is when I'm preparing to get together with all of you live, it inspires me to take a harder look at my business. It inspires me to think about what do I need. It inspires me to think about uh, your businesses and what can what do I think of and what can I provide uh, to you of value. Um, so accountability, I think, is is great because it it helps me do things I wouldn't otherwise do. Think about my business in a way I wouldn't otherwise think about. And for me, it's also become a, a huge like I came out of corporate America, and there you've got all sorts of people that are your people in the world, in corporate, and support, and mentorship, and all this stuff. Well, when you work for yourself, you start your own business as a speaker. You know, we run businesses of one person or maybe a couple or sometimes, uh, you know, we are our own people. So you have become my people, my support system, my sounding board for personal things, for business things, for whatever I need. I know I've got some people that have my back. I don't happen to have a family or a significant other or a company or so you're my people. That's it. And so that's been very valuable for me. Any Liz, your thoughts? Well, first they took all of mine, but (laughs) (laughs) it sucks to go last. Actually, I think what not only this mastermind, but all masterminds who are really working well for the people that are participating They push you to do things that you would never have the guts to do on your own. Honestly, without this group, I would still not be in the business of professional speaking. I would have given up because it's freaking hard. (laughs) It's freaking lonely because, I mean, go to a party and tell people that you're a professional speaker, there's one or two things that happen. They just glaze over and sort of back away or they start asking questions about what you do and nobody, or tell you that that's the worst fear, like having to speak in front of people and how do you do that? Or they ask you if you know Tony Robbins. (laughs) Also true. So it's a hard business, but also I have shifted and am still in the process of shifting from being a speaker who talked predominantly about heart health to predominantly women audiences in a very sort of niche uh, clientele to speaking to audience of all genders about something that is much more significant that heart disease isn't significant, but people really want to talk about stress. Nobody's getting excited about a presentation on heart health to a more business oriented, like who knew manufacturing companies wanted to talk uh, about what I talk about now. So that shift, I would have stayed in my, my safe little box. Mm -hmm. That shift wouldn't have happened without this group. And it is interesting because the, the four of us, people would say, well, a mastermind group, you're all competitors because you're all professional speakers. You could all keynote at the same conference. When we started, we all kind of had different audiences that we spoke to. Jessica spoke in the college market. You spoke in the women's heart health space, which is is a thing, but that's where you lived. 
Jerry and I were probably the closest, although we did very different things. He and I both come out of corporate America, but Jerry comes out of really big companies. Uh, he has an MBA, so he comes at it a little differently than I did. I came out of sales and marketing and sort of uh, a little bit more entrepreneurial or services-oriented companies. So we weren't necessarily chasing the same stages, although we have all spoken at the same conferences before. But the interesting thing is, is how together we have all morphed and grown and expanded and all of our topics have changed and morphed uh, in different ways because of the influence of the other people. It's having, you know, they say that, that you become the sum of the, the four or five people you spend the most time with. And while that is sort of a cliche saying that a lot of people talk about, I actually think it's true. And I think the fact that we do, we get together every eight to 10 months, but we also have a monthly two hour Zoom call where we go through and, and share everything. And amongst us, one of the other is who we all usually call if we have good news or bad news or just one of those things that happens in your business where you want to go, woohoo. And so I think that we have encouraged each other in the ways that, that all of you mentioned. I want to use the rest of this episode talking about what each of you do and how you encourage, because now you all speak for corporate audiences um, and uh, uh, what's the word, consult with executives. So I want to talk about the waves that you have. Uh, made and help people make. So what advice do you have? Let's go through and talk about what what do you, what is your topic and what do you talk about? And then how do you consult? This is where I was going. Consult with C-level executives on how they can make waves. And Jerry, why don't we start with you? Because uh, I love, I just love your, your topic and where it's, where it's gone. So yeah, great. And before I dive into what I do, you know, one of the things is we're thinking about mastermind group that you just inspired me to think about, Tom, is what's the value you get and how people challenge each other and how we've helped morph each other's businesses. My business in 2019, let's say, grew 30% or something, right? And and there, I, it, the reason why it grew so much leads back to something that happened in the mastermind group. And as professional speakers, what we do is we take, at least what I do, is I take complicated things and I make them simple for executives or sales leaders uh, to understand. And over time, our content, if we're doing our job right, gets better and better and better and more and more clear and more and more powerful. So I speak in front of probably, usually in a normal year, 10,000 CEOs, executives, sales executives, sales team members in a year. And so the impact of your words can be massive. And what I had learned, let's say in 2017-ish, 18, is that people were confused about a part, the most powerful part of the framework that I was teaching. And during one of our mastermind sessions, I was explaining it to you. I said, they're confused about this. And basically, you as a mastermind group said, well, explain it to us. How does it work? How does it work? How does it work? And I finally started explaining it in new language. And, and as I remember it, this might not be accurate, but at some point, Liz goes, what? Oh, 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 I get it now. I understand how this works. And I wrote down what I said. <laughs> I inserted it in my keynote and it changed everything because every audience member, when I started to say the right language the right way, it turned on the light bulb of understanding of how I teach a framework of influence to get people to buy this versus that. That's what I do. That's what I do for executives. I work with executives who lead companies who compete in very crowded, competitive, commoditized markets. I do an enormous amount of work in things like in-home services, HVAC, plumbing, roofing, 
selling automobiles. I mean, selling tires, selling things that are non-sexy, selling in the manufacturing facilities. Um, you know, how do you sell to places where your, your product seems like it's the same as all the others? And, and how do you get people to buy? And so the clarity of the process of the influence framework uh, is critical for how, because I have to describe it in a way that other people can then implement it in their sales process. And so anyway, the point is the mastermind group challenged me and helped me clarify that language and solved a problem that made a big difference, not just in my business, but in the thousands of CEOs and executives I talk to every single year. So really quickly then, how do you tell them to make waves? Well, how do I tell them to make waves? So I'm known for a concept called what's your because, you know, and a lot of people have heard of Simon Sinek's, you know, find your why or whatever. And the, the challenge is a lot of executives have spent a lot of time in the last five years finding their why, why they, their company is inspired to do what they do. And I'm telling you what, unfortunate as it is when you're an air conditioning installer or you're selling a set of tires, nobody cares why you became an air conditioning installer. Nobody cares why you're in the air conditioning business. Nobody cares why you're an air conditioning distributor. They care what's in it for them and what do you do differently and better than everyone else that proves that by paying you, I'm making a good call. People are afraid to make a bad call and they're not interested in only your why you do what you do. They're interested in what's in it for them and your because. Oh, you've got to hire this company versus that company because. And that's that rational reason to make the emotional decision to make a commitment to give your money. I'm going to give you the money versus the two other air conditioning installers because. And what is the piece of proof that you are going to do something different or better that's valuable to me? And that's what I do is I help companies find their because, that proof that other people can repeat on your behalf, whether it's your sales team or your customers making referrals. What's your because? What's your proof that says, I, this is a good call. This is the right decision for me. And, and when people can see that because, they buy from you. And when they buy from you, your company grows because everyone's buying from you. Is that right? That is right. When, 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 when someone can repeat and, and refer you based on what they know about you and they make it easy to, to show that you're a good choice, that's when referrals start. That's when your sales team gets, gets clarity. That's when your innovation pipeline changes to support uh, what it is that we're going to prove is our because. Buy awesome. from us because. Awesome. I want to move on to Jessica. Jessica, tell everybody who you are and, and what you do and how you help people make their waves. Well, I think one of the biggest make your waves kind of situation that's coming up with my corporate or association clients is actually related to what happened when COVID hit. So I primarily work with diversity, inclusion, equity related initiatives within organizations. And often what that has looked like over the last 15 years is a survey or a committee or an employee resource group or a line and a strategic plan if I'm lucky, right? So then COVID happens, boom. And as soon as COVID happens, what ended up happening is companies and organizations with follow me here, no known facts, no known best practices, and no idea how long it will last in under a week, completely dismantled how they are currently doing things 
and are now doing things wildly different and adapting along the way. So as far as a diversity, equity, and inclusion person goes, uh, you're not doing another survey. You're not, no, we are not going to put this into a committee to die into committee so that you can do more surveys and compare them to past surveys and see if in fact these are still problems because we have showcased that if we real if it really matters, you can pivot, and I mean that word on purpose, plus someone's probably playing a podcast drinking game, but you can pivot instantaneously almost with no known knowns. And the reality with DEI work is we actually have a lot of known knowns that we're not doing things with. So the the ability and the agility to do something is truly based on acknowledging that a problem exists. And if we can acknowledge that a problem exists, I don't know, by like listening to all those surveys, the consultants and all the strategic plans that are already out there saying, hi, there's a problem, we can do something. And it has dramatically shifted my conversations with corporate clients and made waves in my own business. And I would imagine it's not just COVID. We also had all of the racial tension uh, that has gone on this year and everything that's going on with the 2020 election. I would imagine that the world of diversity, equity, and inclusion has changed a lot in the last six months and companies need you more than ever. Uh, One would think, and it is a lot of very similar conversations that just kind of got like windexed off and like, oh, I think we'll play this. Um, I was telling, talking to a client this morning that because of COVID, a lot of us have been like doing honeydew list items and cleaning off the back of shelves and things. And you're like, oh, I remember this. Why is the Violent Femme CD back here? Like, I remember them. Right. So uh, that's how a lot of people are with their DEI initiatives that you typed up into a strategic plan and then froze or furloughed or fired the people. And then George Floyd was murdered and you were like, oh, snap, I guess we need that stuff again. Um, And it's kind of um, brought some new energy into very similar conversations. Sure. And it's super important right now, more than ever for companies. So uh, our last guest, Eliz Green, tell everybody who you are and how you help people deal with stress and uncertainty. Well, what I really do based on four years of research around job stress and what is really causing that job stress is work with people to address stress with hard skills. A lot of the time we think it's all of this soft, puffy stuff, but it's not. There are hard skills that you can use to tell your body how to release the the stress hormone cortisol so that you can work and live well under unrelenting stress. Because a lot of what causes stress in our world, we just can't quite avoid right now. So that's been very popular. The people I love to work with the most are senior managers who are balancing the leadership above and the people that they manage below. They're kind of in that squeeze position. They are also the most likely people to mortgage their own health for the success of the team. And on the other side, they have to manage a team and really understanding the the impact stress can have on the performance of the team is so important as they're working with their people. So those are the things that I'd love to do Um, right now. The piece that I didn't think I would be talking about is how uncertainty causes stress 
in a different way than other types of stressors. That seems to be really popular right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think we have a little bit of uncertainty uh, between yeah. between the election and the unrest and COVID, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be ending soon. So how do you help executives make waves with their team? Well, right now we've been talking a lot about uncertainty fatigue. The fact that stress is ticking up because this is stretching on and now we're layering on top of that what's going on with the election and everything else. In terms of what I do for leaders, looking at what they offer their employees in terms of stress management programs through their wellness program and making sure that that is in alignment with their purpose-driven culture, really looking at that in how they're communicating the care to their employees so that they can live and work well. Well, I couldn't imagine a better way for me to celebrate six years. Uh, September 30th marks six years and 600 episodes. This is episode number 600. I, I can't imagine a better way to have celebrated this than with the people who didn't even want me to do the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> yes, very much so. Good job full assing it. <laughs> so if anybody <laughs> wants to know more about them, I'll list it on my page. It'll also be in other places. But uh, Jessica Pettit can be found at jesspettit.com. Eliz Green can be found at Eliz Green. There's an E on the end of, of, of green. So it's Eliz Green with an E dot com. And Jerry O'Brien can be found at what big brands know. I got to tell you, I have friends I have friends who make waves, and I am so proud that these three are my friends. I'm proud that they have been on the journey with me. And thank you to all of you who have listened to the episodes, whether you've listened to one episode or 600 episodes. Thanks for coming along on the ride of this show. This episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. They have been an amazing partner for all 600 episodes. If you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. All right. We're going to be back in a couple of days with interviews with people who are shaking things up with people who are making waves. But in the meantime, waves. <laughs> in the meantime, go out there, flex your entrepreneurial muscles, make your own waves. And while you're at it, have some fun. Go have a great day. Thank you for listening to the making waves at sea level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>